Blog Talk Radio. Medina's dream really is to go to school, all right? 
And here it is, we, we need to get the importance through to youth of all over the world. The ones who are able to go to school, the importance of staying in school and appreciating their education and knowledge, okay, while actually balancing it out, being with family and being with friends and growing up and not too, putting too much pressure on youth. You know, there are places where youth put pressure on themselves because of their surroundings, and there's places where we as adults put it on them because we feel like we're losing footing too, you know, of just being wanted anymore in the workforce. So the very fine line there that I want to go into with Mr. Barons, but I just wanted to share that to you that we just wanted to say, you know, a shout-out out there to Kwaku Mandela and the people at Global uh, Poverty, Inc., that we are going to be partnered up with, that, you know, it's great work what you're doing. And anything you want to say, Jay, about that? I think it's wonderful. You know, I mean, this is something that the rest of the world don't, doesn't even know with the you know, horrific things that are going on there. And just just to bring this to the world and, and, and show everybody, hey, you know, we have a long way to go. We have a lot, even though, you know, they're, they're supposed to be free down there. But... They're not. They're still enslaved and, and caught up in the war. And I think it's great that this guy has made this uh, great journey and to show everybody what's really going on because a lot of times we get caught up in everyday life and you just think, you know, people, you go to work every day, you forget about what's going on everywhere else, you know, because you're just caught up in your own, your own mind. So this exactly. is some great information. Yeah, this is some great information he's getting ready to share with us. I, I can't wait, Gail, until he gets on. I just think you know, and, and, and having and knowing that Kwaku just, you know, Kwaku Mandela's been on our show many times, grandson of Nelson Mandela, and is working, you know, with uh, Global Poverty Inc., Hugh Evans, you know, just, I just love these guys. I absolutely love them because people <laughs> like you just take it upon themselves. They don't wait for anyone to say, you need to do this. You know, so, somewhat like us, we're a little rogue here. You know, so I'm very excited about that. And um, I want to announce to the world that Listen Given Savoy has been accepted by OSHA at the uh, United Nations as an external partner in the World Humanitarian Day on August 18th. So we are really excited about this. And um, this is actually a shock for Jay as well. So we didn't tell him the good news. We wanted to wait till on- online to let him know. And, um, you know, <laughs> yes, we, yes, we are excited. So, um, listen, given to Voy will be highlighted, yes, with the United Nations, and we're not hi- we're not thankful um, to our audience to let you know just for the names. No, we're we're not excited about that. We're excited about we get to really we live for this to make a difference. We don't talk a lot. We actually walk the walk every single day, even in our consulting and our music work and everything that we do. So Jay and I are really what you're what you're hearing, and Jay going ha ha is that. We have worked hard for this, um, and this is just the beginning because there's going to be even more work for us to really get the word out there about youth and education, men, women, and family, and gender equity and all of these things. But we'll go into that later into the show. For right now, we would like to bring on Mr. Andrew Barons. So, Jay, why don't we welcome him? Mr. Barons, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? We're doing absolutely Thank wonderful. You. Thank you so much for having me uh, on to talk about Medina's Dream. Um, I'm always grateful for the opportunity to talk about the film, um, to talk about the war in the Nuba Mountains in Sudan, which is uh, one conflict in the middle of a whole complicated 
series of conflicts that, that are going on over there. Um, so, yeah, well, Andrew, I well, we, the opportunity we, we, to come on so, and talk about it. Well, we're so happy to have you. So, Andrew, we're going to ask you questions that are tailored and so that our audience will get everything. We ask that you just tailor your answer to that question because if you give away all the good stuff, we can't too okay. early, but then we will run out of everything and then we won't get to hear all of it. So Got we're going to ask you those questions, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So even though I know this is a very important topic, we invite you to have fun with us, okay? And, Andrew, I'd love for you to meet our co-host, Mr. Jay Logan. Jay, this is Andrew Marin. How are you doing, sir? Great to have you. I'm doing great. That's good. So, you know, Andrew, one of the things one of the things that Jay and I like to do with our guests is we like to talk about your journey first in becoming a filmmaker, okay? Thereby and, and therefore inspiring other people, young and old. If this is a path they want to take, they can. So one of the first questions we'd like to know is when you were a kid, did you ever dream that you would be a filmmaker? When I was a kid, I, no, absolutely not. And I never dreamed about that. The first time I got interested in film was in college. And then uh, after I graduated, I was living in New York and I just started working in independent film and, and gradually got into doing documentary, which is what I've been doing basically the past 20 years of my life. But it's not something I dreamt about as a child. Wow. Well, what, what did you think you would be doing when you were younger? I had. I didn't really have a clear dream specifically about what I wanted to do. Um, it's something I, I fell into. Wow. Uh, sorry, but not, not, not the most interesting answer to that question. But as a child growing up here, um, you know, I was interested in lots of things. You know, I liked English class and I liked uh, social studies and literature. I liked music. Um, didn't have much talent for that, and uh, but but film is is the first thing that excited me uh, uh, to a level beyond like everything else, and uh, yeah, it was just it's just what I started doing coming out of college, and um, I ended up doing documentary uh, because it's I I just love the work it's. You, you know, you never know what to expect. It gives me a chance to visit these incredible places. Um, I just really, really love the work. You know, there's there's no script to these films, so um, it's it's a chance for me to experience all kinds of stories and experience life in some incredible places. And you know, that's Andrew, why that's I do it. Important. It's something important you just said. You know, even though you may say that there wasn't something when you were younger, you talked about music and you talked about things that you liked, which actually is infused in part of make, filmmaking, you know. And so even though you may not have known exactly what you wanted to do, most kids don't, you still had interests that led to what you want. You know, something that's important that you just said, we'd love all of our young people to hear, because this can happen at any age. When did you know, like, you really liked this? You know, like, I really like creating films. When did you know that? Like, when did that, I like this, that, that core of you, like, I could keep doing this. I like that. Um, well, I, I, I remember when I decided, when I committed and said, this is what I'm going to do, because, uh, you know, we have some luxury. Like, I was born in Manhattan. I grew up in Westchester. 
um, I went to public school, but it was, um, you know, I had amazing teachers. I, I was lucky, um, and I was encouraged to try everything. I went to Hastings High School in Westchester, and, and just I, I had the, you know, good nurturing growing up and, and lots of opportunities. So I, I had the luxury of, uh, you know, being able to try music and art and and so many different things. And then I went to a good university. I went to Wesleyan University and, uh, you know, met a lot of people. So I'm, I'm fortunate that I had all the opportunity that I had um, growing up here. Um, and then, as I mentioned, after university, I, I moved to New York, worked on independent films. The, the first film I worked on, I got paid $10 a day. Uh, <laughs> but it was just an opportunity to get experience on set and then uh, those were scripted films, uh, but then I fell into documentary. I, I, I actually was in Holland, where I have a cousin who's a fisherman on the North Sea, and I went to the – I once spent a week going to sea with him, and this is commercial fishing. It's rough. It's difficult. And uh, I thought, oh, I'm going to film my, um, my week at sea with, with my Dutch cousin, and it was like the perfect storm. Uh, this, the second night, there was a storm. One of the ships from the village sank. A 19-year-old fisherman drowned. We had to search for him. And I was filming all this, and uh, that became my first documentary. Over the next two years, I went back to the, the village and filmed the whole, everything about the life there. And uh, that's how I got, it wasn't something I planned. Not only was it not scripted, I, I, I was really just planning to film my, you know, home video week at sea with my cousin. Um, and I ended up making my first uh, documentary film, and it was just an amazing experience. And uh, that's when I got really excited about it. And uh, then I toyed around. I took acting class for two years, which is also incredible <laughs> work. But I realized that at this point, I think I was about 27, I thought, okay, I've had the luxury. I've gotten, you know, I had the liberal arts education. I got to try a lot of different things. Um, but I'm going to be a documentary filmmaker. Uh, you know, w when is the right time to do that? Uh, you know, w w to commit to something? I'm not sure, but for, for me, I think I was about 27 years old when I said, you know, acting class is amazing. Um, there's other stuff that's <laughs> amazing. But this is what I've fallen into. This is what somehow it seems like I'm good at it. Um and it's amazing work. And I complain about it all the time. It's incredibly difficult. I lose money doing it. I hate editing, which is like 80% of the work. <laughs> but, uh, and every time I make a film, I say, this is the last one. There's no way I'm doing this again because it just cost me three years of my life. And um, I'm broke again. But then usually after I finish a film, maybe uh, suddenly a week later, something big happens and I'm on the airplane going somewhere else. Um, like Iraq or Nigeria uh, or who knows where. And, uh, yeah, I finally just had to accept this is, this is a, a, a life worth living. This is a career worth having. Um, it's hard, but, you know, it's one of those things we say we, we don't do it because it's easy. Uh, and so with this film, Medina's Dream, I was exposed to this war happening in the Nuba Mountains. I had visited the refugee camp just across the border. And I was again in a place where I'm thinking, no way am I making another film. It's too hard. 
But uh, I, I met these girls, Medina and her two friends, Hawa and Aziza, these 11-year-old refugee girls who had walked from the Nuba Mountains um, because of what's happening there, uh, ground fighting, aerial bombardment, the villages being bombed, which means people can't farm, food aid is being blocked from going into the region. And, uh, you know, so these children had to walk for three days or four days uh, just to get to the refugee camp, just so they could eat. And uh, sadly, this is one of many wars that are receiving very little coverage in, in the media. And so I was in the refugee camp. I learned about the conflict across the border, and there were almost no journalists there. And I thought, gosh, somebody really needs to tell these people's story. And then I thought, oh, shoot, I guess, I guess I have to do it. And I decided to do it. And uh, at that point, I said, okay, if I'm going to do it, I have to commit, you know, give it, a, you know, a thousand percent. Um, and it was, it was hard. It was a very difficult place to work. It's hot. It's 135 degrees. Um, oh, my God. There, it, it is, oh, yeah. I lost 25 pounds in four months. I got malaria. I uh, had n- no internet, no phone. Like, <laughs> that's hard for people like us who are used to being connected all the time. It, it, you know, it was a scary trip for me. Well, before, um, but Andrew, you're going to give away all the goodies, so we're going to go into more yeah, questions rambling. with you. It's, no, it's not. It's amazing. You don't understand what the, the treasure that you've just given our audience because you've explained where you got that, you know, that bug for it and how it transitioned you into Medina's Dream, which really is right. where our question is going to start. That's amazing because I think a lot of young people can now relate to that. That's just everyday stuff. It's not like, oh, well, let me just add, not to jump on you, but the, the, you know, I talked about how fortunate I was growing up here, going to a good public school, um, going to a good university, having great teachers. I, I was fortunate in that way. And, and, you know, one thing I want to highlight about Medina and these refugees is they're not having that opportunity, which is not to say that they are helpless people, or overly needy, or even depressed. You know, they're suffering in some ways. Um, I don't want to paint this picture uh, overly tragic, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, like they're not helpless at all. But a girl like Medina, you mentioned earlier when you were talking about the film, part of her dream is to get an education, and she's not getting it. And I'm, I feel so lucky that I did have those opportunities growing up. And, um, you know, we, we believe that, you know, possibly the only solution to this conflict and other conflicts is providing education for the children who want it. Um, and that's something, if I get a chance to mention it later, we've actually been started a fund and we've sent 12 children from the Nuba Mountains to high school and we're raising money to send more. Um, but, yeah, it's something that I was fortunate enough to have and um, something that you know would be great if some of these refugee children got that opportunity as well. Well, we we definitely are going to get very heavily into that with you right now. So I know that Jay had a question for you. Great. Yeah, I I, I did have a question for you, and this is before we get into the the movie, but this had to do with the one of your other um, situations that you had in Nigeria. I would like you know I was amazed how they harassed uh, 
filmmakers and journalists of your caliber. Could you tell us how difficult it is when you when you're trying to do a movie in a in a, in a foreign country? How does that how does that how do you see that being difficult for journalists and people of your stature? Um, it's it's difficult in some ways. Uh, in other ways, it's surprisingly easy. Uh, like sometimes, so the the film I made in Nigeria is called Delta Boys, about militants mm-hmm. in the Niger Delta, which is the oil producing region of the country, and all of Nigeria's money, pretty much all of the government's money, comes from that oil. At the same time, the people living in that region are incredibly poor, like living on a dollar, two dollars a day. So the militants are supposedly fighting for more control over the oil leases for a bigger share of the the wealth. Um, It's not that simple. The militants often become corrupt, and it's all a big mess. But, uh, uh, you know, when people... When I decided to go make that film, people would say, that's impossible. Like, you can't go live with the militants. They kidnap white right. foreign oil workers. That's part of their deal. Like, it's impossible. As soon as I hear that word impossible, my brain just kicks into, like, I'm going, <laughs> and I'm going to find a way. And, and, and what I've learned, you know, I used to just be stubborn, but, you know, over 20 years of, of doing this now and then, I've learned that not everything is possible, almost everything is possible. And it's a, it's a bit of a dance. It's about finding the, the right access. It's about being respectful to people. It's about, um, so in that case, you know, I, I managed to get in contact with the militants and uh, explained I'm a journalist and I want to tell the story. Can I come uh, live with you guys? And the first uh-huh. time I went, it didn't work out and I gave up and I came back to Brooklyn and I said, I, I, I shouldn't have given up. I went back a year later, and it worked out, and I lived in a, a militant camp in the jungle, basically, for a month, another one for two weeks, and uh, nobody had done that before. Journalists had been there for maybe two hours, but I, I went, and I said, oh, no, I want to stay. And and once you stay and live, share the same uncomfortable, it was like insects and hot, and I was sharing a mattress with, with six <laughs> Six militants <laughs> bathing, <laughs> and and then then what happens? I had never. I, I'm, I'm, a, you know, I grew up in Westchester. I was born in New York City. I had never bathed from a bucket before. But when you're in the bush, there's the showers, and you get the bucket of water. And this is suddenly the first time I'm doing it. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I don't know where to start. Do you? lather up here and then rinse and then I you know I gradually learned and it's not easy but there's this this moment where it's me and these five militants naked you know about to bathe and they're just laughing at me and I'm this tall skinny white guy and these guys are these incredible muscular you know handsome uh rebels and they're just laughing and they say Andy we love the way you bathe you're you're ridiculous and and that's that's part of the work. You know, it's at that point that you're not just filming them with masks on speaking to the, the news reporter. It's about getting past that. And, and you know, the more time you, you spend the, the, uh, in a place like that, uh, you get so much back. And that's when you get to actually know the people behind the mask and the, the, the human beings who are in, actually caught up in these stories 
and that's what I'm uh, that's what I try to do in Nigeria. You, you, that, that, that led to me being arrested, detained for ten days because the government doesn't want that story to be told. It's embarrassing to them, and they charged me with espionage and they kicked me out of the country. Um, Are you serious? I'm rambling. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. terrible. Uh, wow. Because so just, there are stories that wow. people don't want told. And that's the other reason to this yeah. work. The Nuba Mountains, the stories, there are some amazing people helping tell the story. There's an organization called Nuba Reports, um, and they, they send out dispatches regularly, two-minute patches, and they're doing an amazing job. But uh, that's the reason I do this work and committed to it, because there are these untold stories. There are that, you know, does it change anything? I don't know, but it's, it's oh, like yes, it all we can do is try and tell the story and hopefully it moves somebody in some way and means something. Well, it does. It does yeah, actually, no, yeah, I know. It, 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 it makes a difference in a big way. And, you know, that's where I want to get in, start getting into Medina's dream a little bit here. Here's this little girl. We start out, you know, Andrew and Jay with this little girl, okay, who is yeah. actual, who is actually, um, you know, just, you know, there's so much to the film that it's so amazing. But, you know, at the beginning of the film and the onset of the film, we don't want to give the film away, but at the onset they've made these amazingly, and, and, and that's another thing, they're, these children are very gifted in their creativity. They create these yeah. little, um, almost like the little people, and what they like, their vision of what their life they want it to look like. And she really, all she's interested in is going to school. She just right. wants to go to school to make a difference for her family, and we see it through her eyes. And 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 though it starts out with Medina, it ends with Medina. You see through her eyes by you depicting what's going on there. What? about this little girl, what was it? Why was it from your point of view being there with her? What did you see about the the girls going to school? Because we often hear that if something happens, they have to stop going to school to take care of the family, which I don't want to give that away. But what happens with a lot of these girls that, you know, want to go to school and they're in these war-torn areas where, you know, they're being bombed every moment and they can't, you know, they don't know who's going to die, who's not going to die. What happens to their spirit, Andrew? Um, what happens to their spirit? I don't, it's hard to answer that question because, uh, and I don't want to romanticize them or idealize them too much, but uh, the Nuban people in general have, you know, a very enduring, resilient spirit. They they are healthy they 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 have cultural traditions. They dance. They sing. Um, in, in the midst of the of of the bombs and the war zone, there's still an incredible vitality. Um, uh, this is a side note, but uh, this I recently met Elizabeth, who was at my screening. Elizabeth Arjok, who is also a Sudanese refugee from a earlier conflict, and Hi, she Elizabeth. was in a refugee camp until uh, she was 12. I said, what was it like? She said, oh, it was fun. <laughs> she, you know, she was a child still. They have fun. They play games. Like, it's not like it's – I don't know what my point is, but I don't want, I, I'm not trying to paint this pure picture of, of suffering and tragedy, although it is suffering and tragedy. Um, but these, they're children. Uh, Medina's 
mother died while I was in the camp, and it was awful. And uh, but children, you know, obviously she's wounded, and that's a trauma she's going to you know suffer with for a long time. But they also have the ability, especially children, to cry in one moment and also forget sometimes and play. Um, all, all children have that, I think. Uh, yeah. But uh, in terms of going to school, you know, their spirit, like, um, it, it, she's not going to be destroyed, but it is a tragedy that she has this will. She has this dream. She has this energy. She says she wants to go to school, and she's not going to school for a combination of reasons. One, um, issues with – I know you didn't want to give away what happens in the film, but um, this, is, this is not the only thing that happens. She's not going to school now. Uh, one, because her mother died, so she has more responsibilities uh, you know, to, around the, their home. Um, her friend t- goes to school and takes notes for her. Uh, she also, she was 11 when I was there. She's 13 now. Um, earlier this year, she actually started getting her period uh, as a 13-year-old. And in the Nuba Mountains, um, I don't know all the details, and other people could talk about this better than me, but sometimes getting your period means you stay at home because they don't necessarily have the, uh, you know, product that – the wherewithal or uh, maxi pads or, or, you know, whatever uh, they need to be able to have their period and still go to school. So they, st- they may stay at home simply for that reason. Um, well, it's funny that you would mention this because one of the things that we had Mary Malik. So Mary Malik stands for education.org. She is going yes. out to Sudan to bring these types of supplies, Jay, uh, to the right. young women there in Sudan. Um, so yes, we we do totally understand that. So please please finish. I'm sorry, I just wanted to share that with yeah. people. Yeah, well, but it, it's a meaningful thing. It's you know it's a big deal to get your period, wow. become a woman, uh, and it's a wonderful thing. And it's but it can also you know be a problem in that respect. A, a third problem is this particular refugee camp is not getting the level of support that it should be getting. Um, uh, there's different reasons for that. It's very close to the border. Originally, the UN didn't want this camp to stay there because they consider it, uh, it's only 10 kilometers from the war zone. It's on a military road. They wanted people to move further. The Nuban people don't want to move further away from the Nuban mountains. They want to stay there. And by now it's clear this refugee camp is staying there. Um, and but there was for a couple of years, there was very complicated choices were being made, including providing just enough services to keep them alive, but not so much that they would become overly dependent. Um, and these are hard, hard questions to answer. But at this point, uh, there should be more education being provided in this particular refugee camp, and it's not happening. And sadly, the camp isn't about to go away. Um, And so much, much more could be done to provide education, save the children, all these different foundations. Uh, There's there's a huge need for it there. The camp isn't going away. So whatever can be done to provide education 
uh, needs to happen. And that's another reason Medina is not getting educated. I don't want to suggest that the Nubian people are uneducated people. I said it before. No, they're, they're not. not helpless. They're, no, they're um, they don't, it's not that they need to be educated in Western ways, but those that want it should have the opportunity for an education. It's something that they need. Um, you know, the, 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 our generation is not going to solve this war. It's been going on for decades. The government can't win. The rebels can't win. It's kind of a stalemate. Um, there is no political solution. Every year they have talks while the bombing continues. And no, there's no sense. It's not going to end anytime soon. So I, I sometimes think maybe it's Medina's generation that's going to have to end it. She's 13 now. Um, you know, if the, she has the dream, uh, she just needs the means, the education and the opportunity. Well, as I, as I said, and I'm putting myself out there, um, Andrew and I had the opportunity to talk, and we're, a lot of us are interested in adopting Medina. So um, Jay knows how much it's, it's important to me to be a mom. And, um, you know, however that gets done, whether Andrew adopts it, we all have agreed we would be in her life in some way. Right. So, um, you know, she would definitely have a village when she came here, and Andrew's a very good person. So we look forward to hearing more. I know Jay has a question for you, Andrew. Um, so, yes. Um, yeah, so we want to know what your, your question is because you know you, get, you have a good one. Uh, yeah, I wanted to know the resources in the Newman Mountains. Why? Why does the Sudan government want to take this area? I just little share that with our audience a little bit because I think you're extraordinary. What you're doing is like, I mean, I'm so happy that people like you and they took the chances. Just looking at your history, so I just want to you know, give our give our audience what is what was what is your recollection of what might be the biggest problem? Is it diamonds, gold in those hills, or is it something there they want, or it's just the land, or what? Why do they want to have these people out of it? This this is a question that I'm really bad at answering because I don't grasp it that well. You know, war is almost by nature absurd and stupid, and um, it's a totally valid, interesting question. And in the end, I'm I'm bad at analyzing it on the, that big picture level. Um, mm-hmm. There's oil, there's ethnic hatred. Um, you know. Wow. Uh, there's some religious hatred, but it's more ethnic. Uh, there's definitely, you know, the, the government in Sudan partly stays in power by keeping everybody else down, um, keeping Nubans fighting each other. So a lot of the fighters in the Sudanese army are actually from the Nuba Mountains. They've been conscripted. They've been misled to believe there's all, wow. all kinds of things. Uh, okay. So it's almost like divide and conquer. Like let's keep these guys fighting in the south of the country, and keep the war far away from Khartoum, where Bashir and and you know the the government and the, and the rich people are, you know, living at the top and keep everybody else down. You know, it, it, I, partly it's just as simple as that. Um, it's it's a sad state of affairs. You know, wow. one of the things I want to ask, being out there, you know, one of the things, Jay, I know you haven't had the chance to see the, uh, the full movie, but you, you know, you know about it, is that Jay, when we were sitting there with Andrew, you get this feeling in the movie where, you know, every time they go to plant food, okay, the there are bombs dropped f- for the planting of the food. It doesn't seem like, it, it doesn't really seem like they're trying to kill them as much as give up their will 
to move hmm. forward. Would you say that's right, Andrew, or no? Yeah, it's more. I mean, basically, when the airplanes bomb, um, you know, the chance of you being killed is not that high, but the chance of somebody getting killed, it happens probably every week. And these can be children, old people. Um, you know, nine out of ten times, it's civilians who get killed. Uh, but yeah, what it what really uh, it, it, the most insidious aspect almost of it is that it prevents people from farming, and the food cycle is disrupted. And and this is an agrarian pastoralist society depends on the rainy season. If they don't plant before the rainy season, they will starve. Um, and so the bombing. And they're using food and starvation as a weapon. And that, by my understanding, is a crime because you're attacking the, the civilian population by doing that. They can argue, well, yes, they're eroding support from for the rebels and, and this and that. And, um, but it's indiscriminate bombing. It's worse than indiscriminate bombing because they bombed the, the hospital last year. And there's no doubt wow. that it was accidental because the airplane circled for about three days and, and bombed the Mother of Mercy Hospital, which, like, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> These are people who are, some of them are in the hospital because they were wounded by aerial bombardment. Now they're in the hospital and the hospital is being bombed. That, by my understanding, is probably a crime against humanity and a war crime. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's worse than indiscriminate. It's, it's, it's targeting civilians. It's preventing them from farming. It's creating starvation. Then uh, they prevent uh, humanitarian aid from entering the Nuba Mountains. Uh, it's the, it's they've basically put the Nuban people under siege. And uh, again, I don't know what else to say about it. But this this bombardment, you know, starvation as a weapon is it's quite bad. But how does it, while you're out there and you're watching this, does it actually, does it, how do the people deal with it mentally and emotionally? How do you see them dealing with it, just in your guesstimation? Well, I noticed that they kept moving forward no matter what. They still kept people moving forward. forward. They never gave up. They, you know, in some ways the mental health in the Nuba Mountains is, is much better than, than in our culture. Um, you know, there's suffering, but there's less. We've got a lot of problems here for so many reasons, partly the food we eat, you know, all the chemicals in the food, and partly uh, all our overconnectedness with the Internet and our iPhones, and partly so many things. I, 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 I suffer from anxiety all the time when I'm here, whereas when I'm there and focused on the work, I'm, I'm mentally more healthy. Um, so I didn't encounter a lot of depression in the Nuba Mountains. Suffering, maybe, but not anxiety, depression among people. And I'm oversimplifying. I'm sure, I'm sure people do suffer from that. Um, how do they keep going? I don't know. They're determined. They have been backed into a, a corner. The Nuba Mountains is kind of their last refuge and their last stand. They are beautiful people. They're healthy people. Um, you know, talk about organic food. When you eat goat, there's no refrigeration. It's fresh. Uh, the water they drink is, is spring water from boreholes. It's incredibly healthy. They're healthy 
physically healthy people, mentally healthy people. They're just an oppressed people and they're under attack. Um, you know, you know something so, you know, it's, it's hard. Yeah. It, it's just something I wanted to jump in here to say, and, I'm, and Jay, I'm sorry for taking a turn, but this is something so important you have just said. You said that there are no chemicals. You you were there. You were on the ground. You were eating healthy, all right? I've seen the teeth I was, of, I was sleeping of, well. Exactly. And you're, I've seen the teeth, the health. Everyone, Jay, is in very, very good health, all right? Now, here Andrew is, an American from here, living in better physical health than he is in his own country where we have more available to us. And I think this is really powerful what you said because this is what we've all been saying, that it's important to take ourselves away from the computer, use it as an integration into our culture but not as the culture. And, you know, it's it's just amazing what you said because this is what Jay and I speak about all the time, and you are proof of that. So, um, Jay, right. please share, you know, I didn't mean to jump in there over your your question. Go ahead. Now, I have, cool oh, oh. I, I have, to, I have another call in a couple of minutes, so... I hope that's yeah, this uh, is the last to wrapping up. I, yeah. I, I could talk for hours, and we can even talk again. But yeah, but go ahead. Oh, this is a, this is uh, just a simple question. I was wondering how much footage were you able to capture, and what type of equipment did you use on this last set? Was it high definition, or was it? Yeah, uh, it's high definition. I've used the Canon C three hundred, which is a large sensor camera. Um, I filmed about three hundred hours of footage over the course of five months. Um, it's a huge amount of work coming back because the footage is all in Sudanese Arabic along with, like, Nubian languages, so then we have to get it all translated and go through these hours and hours and hours of footage and find the narrative story and the characters who shine through, like Medina, to you know hopefully make a film that keeps people interested and makes people care. Um, but it's... Go ahead. Well, I, I, I urge everybody to watch the trailer. Uh, Gail, that trailer was heart-wrenching. Uh, the girl with the, putting the little, um, little uh, figures down, showing how she wants her life to be, showing the flowers. I mean, this this is incredible. Yeah. Man, you've done a great job, and I know you, you have to go. That was my last question, but I am so proud of what you're doing throughout all your movies. I just I went to your um, IMDb database site, and you're just doing it, and I'm proud of you, man, and we're going to support you in every way we can because you're saving the world, and um, <laughs> we need this information, and I hope you don't stop making films. Just keep doing it. Don't ever get let that into your mind because without you, I'll we wouldn't know it. all this. Yeah. <laughs> we well, need those, you. You know, <laughs> if, if people want, they can go to um, medinasdream.com, learn about the film, and there's also a link to the education fund where we're trying to send some of these children to high school. So medinasdream.com. And thank you guys for having me on. All right, and have an amazing day. And, Andrew, thank you for accepting the invitation to be on. Keep doing the work that you're doing. We'd love to have you on again later in the year. Definitely. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, Jay, that was amazing. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, wow. You know, all these atrocities that go on everywhere else, people don't realize that, you know, what happens over there affects what happens over in our country, believe it or not. What happens over here affects the world is one planet. 
So we must, you know, spread what we're trying to do. We listen, give, and support. We're trying to make sure that everybody can hear because, you know, there's a lot of different atrocities going on through the world in different countries, and um, we, we, we all need to work towards making this a better place. Well, most definitely. And one of the things, you know, um, of education that it's really important for people to understand is that there is education right now. We have to be careful because kids want to just have their education. Um, One of our students who is a student uh, for Listen Given Savoy to the UN, the student ambassador, Janique Brown, recently has been on a family trip. She will be doing her first semester of college in London. We're quite proud of her. And one of the things that our, her father wrote us was that she has, again, similar to Andrew, she was able to go to France. She's taken French, and she was able to negotiate um, in French the right rental price for the family and all of these things. And here she is, 18, and we're just so proud of her because now she will be able to learn and open up her mind to what's going on in the world, okay? Things that we never thought possible. And now um, just hearing, you know, Andrew is telling me even for myself that um, I, I, it's time. It's time for me to even, you know, I travel, but to do even more traveling because this is something that's just very close to home for me, Jay, very close to home. And, you know, when you're, when you're married and have family like Jay and I are, it's, it's very hard to, you know, to travel and do the things you want to. But our families do know what we're committed to, and that's why we do the things that we do. So it's just, um, you know, without sounding redundant, it's just seeing the kids and, and knowing that they're going to have the life they need, but I think we have to bring it back to something, and that's intergenerational communication. We focus on youth, 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 but it's actually we have to have our focus on everyone. And I know people may say it's very hard to focus on everyone, but we have to because it's important that every person of every age gets what they want in life, not just the support, but everything they want right. in life so they can live their lives powerfully. So, you know, um, I know we have a few uh, a few articles and things that we want to go into, but I just want to make sure that that's put out there. It's very important that all of us have available to us the things that we want, not just the things that we need. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and I, always, I wanted to ask, as you know, I wanted to ask you, in know, all of the guests we have, what makes you want to go into the deepest jungle in the world and be these people, I mean, I mean, your life is at stake. You know, people, these journalists are just amazing. They go, you know, Iraq and Iran and all these different countries, and they put their lives up so to save the world. I'm just, you know, people don't really know, you know, what they do, what they what they do with their lives. You know, even just flying a prop plane just to land there is dangerous. You know, so I'm just like, you know, it's amazing. That's one thing. Um, that amazed me about journalists and filmmakers, you know. I wanted to let you know one of the articles, you know, was high school kids are now acquiring AA degrees. Uh, earlier, you know, they have all these concurring classes that they take at the same time. It's amazing, you know, like, and this year it's been a lot of graduates who have, high school graduates who have graduated also with their Associates of Arts degree. 
and more students, more students now are getting these degrees. And I just want to give some good news. You know, America's trying to come up a little bit, you know, because these high school kids are they're starting to graduate and graduate with an AA. And that's I just thought that was some good news. You know, we always give good well, news I, I, also. I think and that's, that's amazing as well. I think I I but I do go back to this. We need to have that, and this is what Kwaku Mandela was talking about. We need to have this, you know, just available to everybody, you know, um, not just some kids and not others. You know, one of the things of our International Baccalaureate Program, the International Baccalaureate Program is not here in the States enough. It's all over the world, and it's in some states. Florida is one of the highest-rated uh, states for the International uh, Baccalaureate Program. So we want to put that out there to everyone so that they're, you know, they're aware of that. So that is great that they're getting, Jay, you know, their um, their college degrees as well as that. But, we, again, we just want to make sure that all of our students have access to that. Uh, and so almost, it's, it's more than one-third of Americans have earned their post-secondary degree. So that's good, you know, coming from where we were, you know, five years ago. <laughs> it's kind of great. <laughs> Well, it is, it is great. It is great. I mean, it's absolutely wonderful. And, you know, Common Core, just like I've always argued with you about Common Core, Common Core is actually um, not working anymore. People are getting it. But, of course, they're getting it in an election year. But um, I leave that alone. You didn't hear me say that. <laughs> you know, um, one of the things I want to talk about, speaking of that, is um, – racial segregation in schools hold white pupils back, okay? And this is something that, you know, we thought was gone with the 50s. So we will definitely share this, you know, in general. But, you know, it's, um, you know, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, um, they're saying now the big cities are becoming more segregated than the communities they serve, and uh, it's that's that's concerning. So, I'm very excited about all of this across the board. Our country is catching up. Kwaku uh, Mandela is speaking for education all over the world. You know, everyone, it is just we're we're ready to rock and roll here. Now, I want to get into some fun stuff, which is my favorite topic: music. Okay. Okay. And then some other stuff. One other thing I want to talk to you about. But yeah, let's get into some other fun stuff. You know, that's great. Yeah, because the music, we've got Tidal, we've got Spotify, we've got Apple, and you know, it's going to be quite interesting to see how this shows up. Okay. Since last week or the week before, pulled his catalog from everyone is now only at Tidal. That's the last I've read. We have, I was speaking to someone at Apple under a condition of anonymity who said that what happened with Taylor Swift was no big thing because they were going to do that anyway. Otherwise, Apple is never forced into something. They have a lot of money at their hands. So this is uh, quite interesting. Quite, quite, quite interesting. Um what What is your take on this? Because for me, I want to see what Jay-Z and the Swedish team, which is interesting because there is a partially Swedish team at Tidal. I want to see what's going to be next between them and Spotify. 
that's why I was like, wow, streaming is, is different. It's kind of like for you giving away music free, you know. You know, music consumption, Gail, habits, have, they have changed, you know. It used to be vinyl and now then CD and then MP3 and now streaming. So what does the streaming do for the industry, in my opinion? Um, it can save the music industry in a way. Because if, he, if, if, if Tidal and Apple and all these subscription services can sell you nothing and you pay $120 a year for nothing. Nothing. In other words, well, <laughs> me, you don't need nothing. You don't hold any of this stuff. <laughs> but now, if you remember to Kendall, to Kendall Minter, our guest last week, who's, been, who's on the board of Sound Exchange and has been around for many years, this is what we talked about. I shared with him. How does that, uh, uh, if you remember the, the, the example I gave, a student, an adult, or anyone, I'm listening to music I don't own. How is that going to make me buy it? How, the, the, way, the way you look at it, you've got to put some bells and whistles on it and repackage it, which Apple is a good at making icons and making it fun and making games and making things to do. And that might help because they're good at graphics and making it fun, making user-friendly interfaces that kind of are fun to deal with. You know, if you look at that interface that Apple has on that OS 1 or whatever, the new OS, it's fun to just dangle with stuff. You're not doing anything but different ways of playing music, but it makes it different because it's Apple doing it, opposed to Spotify. This is, here's the song, here's the commercial, what we do, you know, you remember here, you can have your little social spot, but they, they don't make it graphically fun. So it's very really interesting because you are still buying nothing. But in, in the long haul, Gil, if, if people really go back historically, music was used as an extra prop, and they were selling products. Like RCA used to sell record players. So they used to give away albums, vinyl albums, because you had to have something to play on your record player. They never was trying to make it a billion-dollar industry. Records were the secondary token that went along with other products, TV sets. They'll give you a couple of albums. Or, I don't know if you remember, you could, you could uh, back in the day, on a, a box of uh, cigarette matches, say you give us a penny and we'll let you enter our club and we'll give you free you albums. No, Jay. Free no, Jay, I think that was well, way anyway, before my time. Well, that was your time. Well, I, read about, <laughs> I read about this also. But they had these clubs, and then music wasn't expensive. Then when the Beatles and Elvis Presley and all these artists and Motown started making millions and millions of dollars selling records, then everybody said, wow, this is the, this is the way to do it. But the real, the real way to make money in this business has always been get your buns out there, pick your guitar up, go down to the hospital, wherever you got to go, and play live and put a bucket out there and work hard for you. And if people that like you, they will buy your music. It supports you. And that's what it really is about. Now we're back to that again. So I think the streaming services are high-tech radios that you have to pay for. I mean, and even if you look at some of the amplifier companies such as Onkyo or uh, Yamaha, all these receivers now, Gail, are fitted with Internet applications. In other words, you can get Pandora. All this stuff fits in. Remember, an amplifier was used just to be an amplifier. Now, your amplifier connects to the internet and it plays everything. So that means if your amplifier is playing everything, there's no need for CDs anymore. There's no need for MP3s anymore. All that's gone out the door. They're streaming it to you now because nobody's buying the MP3. Apple is not selling no downloads. There's no such thing as downloads. You're streaming it now. So now that's going to pretty much make all of that other way, other other stuff forms of music obsolete because now you're streaming it. It's coming into the device. It used to be 
where is my album? Now it's, where is my cell phone? Because <laughs> all your music is there. I can't find my Earth, Wind, and Fire record. Oh, but now I can't find my cell phone. So I, <laughs> there's a lot of different things, you know, in this music business. It's, it's very, very interesting how I see, see it evolving. It's very different now. And it's just, if you're just going to buy an amplifier now or iPhone, and you can play your music without having a CD or MP3. You don't, you don't even need storage anymore. Used to be, uh, do you have Wi-Fi? It used to be, do you have storage? Now you don't need storage. You just need streaming. Everything's going to stream to you. We're going to charge you for nothing. So, yeah, nice new, a nice new industry. They're smart. It'll cut down on um, pirating. Wow. Well, you know, I will tell you that it'll cut down on pirating to a degree, but I don't own anything. And that's your, I think no, it should you be both. <laughs> I think it should be both. And the fact of what the royalty payment is out. You know, let's, let's put this in the common sense thing. If artist is not getting paid much on a royalty for something people don't own. So I'm insane, <laughs> no one owns anything. Right. The artist can't sell it from his site, from himself. I heard. I just want to tell you this. I, I watched uh, Smokey Robinson on the other network, and I watched uh, one of, one of the young artists come out and tell everybody, "I'm on my own independent." I don't want to say we're artists because I know we're on the on our blog talk radio show. But the artist, and you know the artist, she said, I'm going independent in front of a national artist. What is that telling you? If all these artists are going independent and they can't get a record deal, they can't trust the royalty rate, everybody's selling it themselves. So it's going to force everybody to be independent mom-and-pop stores, their own label. And I don't want to tell you who the, the, the lady has sold oh, millions of records. I, I know you <laughs> I know you did. But the, that was amazing. She, she, I mean, you're supposed to be announcing the awards. You take this opportunity to tell the national artists, I'm going, my, record, my next record is coming out, I want to be independent. I want an independent label, which is mine. So give me all the money. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, we all know who made that announcement. It's getting rough. It's getting rough if you have to do that. Um. <laughs> I um I, I, I you just got me speechless, which is rare. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want I want to share with you two two yeah, about the, the the this stuff that you always talked about. I want to say it real quick because I know our show is running down. But Microsoft, you know how, you know we do our little high tech section. Microsoft just invented a pen and a brush that works that you can write on glass and it's like a regular pen. The Microsoft group, and so it's going to bring pens back. So pens are coming back. I mean, sometimes you can't do it on an iPad. Sometimes you can't do it on a mouse. Sometimes you can't type. Sometimes you can't type on a keyboard because every time you hit that keyboard, it's going to be that same font, that same E. Sometimes you have a little more touch. You know, could you imagine these digital pens? That's so wonderful. You know, kids can just be at their desk and just start jotting down notes yourself, whether you're writing cursive or whatever your style of writing. And now people will be able to write. So now the computer. I'm Jay. I'm sorry to tell you guys, but you and Microsoft are old and late. There is a uh, there's several things called bamboo paper, which is an app for the iPad, and you can actually just take your finger and write on the screen. So yeah, well, but first, you can't do everything too. Something a pen, you know, just like you know, you can ask John Hancock, those guys. Sometimes a pen can do a little bit, you know, your pen and graphs. 
So well, what, the thing is, the pens have been out there. The pens, but these pens have been out there for a long time. You know, we but write this, on this the is, glass. This is new. This, this is yeah, but this is unused. Uh, this works better. They have they have mastered it to where there's no latency in this new pen. So those pens had latency problems. So you pick the pen up. You do, this new pen has no late, latency. That's what's so special. But I didn't get into the details. It's like an actual. Well, go, well, give, well then give pen. us the details then. Well, the the pen has no latency whatsoever. And ladies and gentlemen, if you know if you know anything about computers, you know latency is how long it takes you to get from here to there. Um, uh, the pen has unlimited ink, uh, and it's 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 it it, it, it it works like a real pen, opposed to the, some of the older pens. Yes, you could write and use your finger, and then when you move, you, you can still tell you're using your finger. You know, you can still tell. But these new pens are um, are just like a pencil. You can draw with them and make some beautiful artwork. On, and it's almost like the glass becomes paper. Because, you, you, you know, you always said that. Uh, one thing. It's only for the surface. Ah, so if it's only for the surface, then that, I didn't know that because I thought, you know, you probably can use them on. Oh, because the technology and the application, yeah, it's, it's Microsoft. So, yeah. Right, but see now, if you're willing to buy, you know, a surface for all of us, we have no problem with that. But I'm only obligated to a, a, a Apple Watch right now, so I don't have to worry about the surface. Uh, no, no, I'll, I'll all of us for the public at large. No, no, for the public, <laughs> for the public at large, my dear. For the public well, at large. I wish I well, you know, I can't uh, supply that amount of uh, surfaces, but uh, maybe maybe somebody would, maybe Surface or Apple or Microsoft, or you know, maybe we can get them to give us a kind of a some kind of program here. Maybe if Apple can hear us, we can do some type of giveaway to help support these pins. You know, have giveaway to some of our audience members. They would love to have these nice new digital, <laughs> especially me and Gail. <laughs> you know, you're just so, wrong. You're just so wrong. <laughs> I'm just well, dealing with the watch. Know, You're going to get your watch. I want I want our audience to know. Yeah, let's going to get a watch. And, you know, um, audience, I want them to know this is not banter with Jay and I, but, you know, Jay <laughs> has been promising me this watch. And, you know, he's just going to rub it in. So I just want the whole audience to know that I, you know, I, I, I'm hearing it, but I have not received at all. You know, I just want the audience to know. So, um, you know, Jay, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving you a hard time, you know, of course, <laughs> but um, I just I just wanted to, you know, everyone to know. Now, I'm, you know, actually, Jay, if you want, you can give me a surface with a surface pen. I have no problem with that. <laughs> we got to go try out stuff. I'm talking all this good stuff about it, and it gets there, and it doesn't work like, a, you know, like we think. So, please, please, please no, check it out. I don't mind the surface. <laughs> I'll take a Surface Pro 3, okay? And my color that I would like is dark blue. That's, oh, that's a beautiful one. Well, you know, I, I, think, it's, I think we're going to be, somebody's going to donate that to, to no, 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 a no, wonderful No, 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 we don't person, want so. anyone to, dine, to, to donate it, my dear. Okay? We would <laughs> like for you, okay, you, um, to do that. If you wouldn't mind. Well, due to budget constraints, uh, we're not able to at this time. <laughs> but I'm not saying it'll never. I'm not saying it will never happen because you deserve one. <laughs> just, just, I'm gonna stick to the 
the Apple Watch. It's just right in the ballpark of. <laughs> well, you know, um, I, I won't. Okay, I won't give you a hard time. I won't give you a hard time. So, audience, we have run out of time, and we thank Jay as usual, and we definitely thank uh, Andrew for his yes. time with us today. And uh, with that said, we're going to leave out with a very important song, actually. And you know something today, Jay? The Treasure Song mm-hmm. by Patent Leather was very important in this one because it really showed how much everyone is really a treasure. Yeah. So we're going to leave out with that. And, Jay, see you next week. See you next week.